Good morning, everybody. So glad that you're here. We had a little technical difficulty here, so I'm going to be doing a little handheld thing. If I drop the mic today or first row, you better watch out. It might end up over here today. So I want to welcome everybody online as well. If you're worshiping from wherever, say hello in the chat. Tell us where you're from, and we are glad that you're here as well as here in person. And um, and so it's been a, a pretty cool week. I just have to say that last Sunday, um, uh, if you were with us for our prayer walk that we had last Sunday night, um, it was a really, really cool thing. Um, There's a small group of us, maybe like 12, 13 people, we showed up and we had chalk too. So as we were walking around, we got to chalk little spots around New Cumberland to say that you were prayed for, that God loves you. And so we broke off into three groups. Nobody knocked on doors. It wasn't like scary like that, but we just prayed for our neighbors, prayed for the community. And I tell you, like God showed up <laughs> and we had some great conversations with people, um, just walking and talking and even through Halloween decorations, who knew? So um, it was just a really great time, time together. We're going to plan to um, do that again in some time uh, shortly. And then also on Thursday, Pastor Jeff and I took a little road trip. We were road tripping in the truck, and we went down to Virginia to get a, our, own, our very own bounce house, Table Life Church bounce house. Yes, this is exciting historic moment right here. So we are going to have a bounce house for our fire pit Friday. Don't worry, we will not light it on fire. We will light it up, though, with some Christmas lights. So if you have extra Christmas lights, like the ones that are on nets that you put um, around bushes and stuff, we'd like to borrow those so we can light that up for kids to bounce in. And so we're going to have lots of fun, lots of ways that we can really reach out into our community here. So... Um, so stick with me. So we are going to uh, take a step in our message series today. The last few weeks, we've been doing this, this sermon series we call Open Table. And it's really been exciting because we've been able to see this come alive in our, in our lives. We've been journeying through the Gospel of Luke, the table passages, because the Gospel of Luke is really a story about Jesus being at a table, coming from a table, or going to a table. Like, he just, like, eats and drinks with people, like, throughout the whole gospel. And we've been going through a bunch of these stories, but about how Jesus shows up at many tables, and we're called to show up there, too. We're called to show up there, too. Many different kinds of tables, from this table to our home tables to tables in our communities and our neighborhoods. The tables are places where there is evidence of God's kingdom, and maybe you've experienced that. Well, this week, this week we're going to look at a story that involves a family disagreement, get this, a family disagreement about meal preparation. Ooh, have you ever had that before? But I want to start off, before we read the scripture, I want to start off with a question for you, as I'd like to do in this series. And that question today is, is it more difficult for you to give or receive? Think about that. It's more difficult for you to give or receive. So we're going to check out Luke Chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, a short little story here today. And so Luke, our gospel writer, he tells us this. He says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, 
But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So the word of God for the people of God. Okay, so great little story here. I really, really love and appreciate this story. Maybe you've heard it before, and also um, if you have a worship guide, it's also printed there for you to go back to along with some notes that you can follow along with the message, and it's pretty great that you can do that. So, so thinking about, so this is a story, remember, like I said, of a family disagreement about meal preparation in a way, and, and I was thinking about this. I was thinking about all kinds of meal prep. I don't know what the go-to is in your house or for you, but I was, I was really thinking and praying, let me say that, praying about this, and I think meal prep goes on like a spectrum, I think goes on a spectrum. It goes from, from one end where you have people that, I don't know if this is you, but maybe you prepare meals for an entire week. Look something like this. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand. I mean, I'm very proud of you if you do this because you like spend the whole day cooking and getting the family stuff ready. And you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're like, what everybody's going to eat. And I have some friends that share this and they have like all nutritious meals too. There's all really good, good stuff in there. And so you're, you're well prepared, right? You spend hours getting ready. Uh, then you kind of have the people, those of us that like the easy meals that you cook every night, right? Taco Tuesday, right? Taco Tuesday, maybe Taco Thursday. I don't know, maybe kind of switch things up here. But the easy meals, your go-to meals, maybe it's a square meal, you know, the potatoes, the vegetable, the, the kind of go-to for that, the easy meals, right? It's kind of preparation in some way, but it's a little bit easier. Then, this is my favorite folks here, the crock pot or the Instapot people. Which one are you? I have a crock pot, love my thing, right? Just make those little, little containers you pour things into, cook for a lot of people. But I know lots of people, like, they swear by the Instapot. They think it's like the, you know, you just throw like a roast in there for 20 minutes, right? And it's like done, it's amazing. You know, preparation, yeah, it involves some, but pretty much you can get a meal out of it pretty quickly. Then a little bit further from there, we have folks that are the takeout, right? The go-to, the takeout, right, right? Maybe if your kitchen is being redone, takeout, right? Or you're kind of like going crazy, you're going from one thing to the next, takeout time. I don't know what your go-to is around here. Lots of great restaurants. Um, and then kind of to the even further extreme from there is our TV dinner. And, and get this, so the Dinty Moore things, so I used to eat those things. These are unrefrigerated meals, by the way. Unrefrigerated meals, don't you dare read the ingredients on the back. They're like MREs if you've been in the military. But, but they're fantastic because you can take them anywhere. You don't even need to refrigerate or freeze them, right? But uh, some, for some of us, that's our go-to. We stuck a couple of lean cuisines in there, hungry man, you know, he's always there and available. And, 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 but when you think of this, when you think of like from like the preparation, preparation to like, you know, Ding, like 30 seconds, no, 90 seconds in the microwave type way. A lot of it really depends on what? How busy we are. How busy we are, how much stuff we got going on. For some of us, it's just like we just don't like to really cook. But for, for a lot of us, it's, it's really about how busy we are. Well, did you know that 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, none of those things were options? <laughs> Uh, they had a very different menu than we do today. There were no burgers, there were no steaks, there were no brats, there was no ham or bacon for Jesus. 
But the menu basically consisted of, people would eat about two meals a day. They ate two meals a day, mainly a vegetarian diet. They only ate fruits that were in harvest seasons. And, and so diet was a big factor, get this, in longevity, because people had a lot shorter lifespans than they do today. Life expectancy was just about 30 years. And so famines, which consists in the Bible over and over again, famines were a big deal. They happened a lot. And um, it's interesting, a rabbinic source from like the first century BC um, said this, while the fat person becomes lean, the lean becomes dead. So you actually wanted to be fat in those days. Good, good words there. But meals were intentional things, though. Not only did they eat those two meals, but they were very intentional. There were no fast food. There was no microwave. There, things weren't on the go to kind of grab and go. But it was, the meals were eaten in a kind of symposium. Symposium is what they called it. Uh, it was a long, drawn-out meal. And, and because of that, it, it was this idea of hospitality that really surrounded all meals. And if you've been with us here at Table Life Church, you know that hospitality is really a part of our DNA here. We, we want you to feel welcome at home. We want to, to be hospitable to you. And, and that's kind of even rooted in our name change. Some of you guys have, were here through when we were first Cum uh, New Cumberland First Church of the Nazarene. And then we've changed our name to Table Life Church to really depict that idea of radical hospitality. And, and that's rooted in the early church. That's rooted in these times when people took hospitality very, very seriously. And so it had almost like a sacred function, a, a sacred function where even if you had a visitor, say somebody that came to your home, it was taken as like a sacred duty to care for that person. And it had a religious component as well, that, that the Jewish people, the Jews, elevated the hospitality of having guests over, over your house or involved in your life as an obligation. It was an obligation. And so it was a big deal when you were hosting someone, especially, like in this story, especially a rabbi like Jesus. So the story goes, Jesus enters this village and he goes into the home of a lady named Martha, we're told, a lady named Martha. And let me just pause there. It's very interesting that Luke would record the story of a woman inviting Jesus into his home, like into her home. It's, it would have been scandalous at the time. And so also, if you were making this up, if you were making up a, a story, a fairy tale about Jesus and trying to say, okay, this guy kind of, you know, lived and he was God. And if you were making up a fairy tale about Jesus, you probably would not choose to include that a woman invited him over. It would have been looked down upon. It would have been like, really? Like, why would that happen? But later in the gospel, we see that Martha and her sister they become good friends with Jesus and they actually serve a pivotal role in his life and ministry. But this is the first time that we're introduced to them. So the first thing we see is that, so Jesus, he enters this village, he goes to Martha's home. The first thing we see is that there's one person who's doing all the meal prep. And who is that person? Martha, right? Martha, Martha, Martha. That's what we always say. And, and the gospel doesn't say this, but which place in the birth order do you think Martha was? She was first, right? Why? Because she's the one, she's like, like all about it. Like she has to be in control. She has to be doing stuff. She has to get ready for everybody. And what's her reaction when Mary takes a seat at Jesus' feet? 
She's like flustered. She's like, why on earth? She's frustrated. This is frustrating stuff. She's working super hard here to get everything ready. And her sister's just like sitting, right? Who does that? But the, in the first few lines of the story, one would think that Martha is the one who's going to be honored. If you didn't read this story before or hear this story before, and you just stopped at the beginning, you would, have think, you would think that Martha is the one who should be honored. There's no takeout. There's no calling up dominoes, right? That she is working hard here because she has to make all the preparations for this symposium meal in their house. But when flustered Martha begs Jesus to tell Mary to get her butt up off the floor and come help, that's what she would have said in those words. I think Luke is being very, very um, nice here. But I think she's saying, get up your butt up off the floor and come help. Jesus surprises her and he surprises us because Luke tells us first that Martha is the one who is troubled. Hmm. Troubled, anxious, distracted. Though she's doing the right thing, he tells us that Mary, Mary is the one who has chosen the better thing. But the question is, why has Mary chosen what's better? It doesn't seem to make sense from a practical standpoint. And that's the question that I want to explore. It's important because I think it has important implications for each and every one of us. Imagine if you were about to host somebody super, super important, and not to say that we aren't important, but somebody super important, say maybe your boss, or maybe, maybe your kid's principal, your kid's principal is coming over, or maybe one of your favorite singers or songwriters or actors or actresses, you know, what would you do if you knew that person was coming over maybe tomorrow? You'd get busy, you would clean, Maybe not clean, but you would take all that junk that's sitting in your, in your living room and you would push it in the closet at least, right? Who does that? You push it in the closet. I'm a closet pusher. Yeah, closet pusher. So that's what we do, right? You just get it out of the way, get it unseen, you know. You'd have your grocery list. Maybe if you have pets, you know, for a little Febreze everywhere. Get that smell out. You want to impress the person. And this guest was God himself. He's in the flesh. You know, there's a reason why Luke is telling it like this. Because whenever Luke tells us stories like this, he wants us to wonder, as the readers and the listeners, which person would we be in this story? And if so, listen up. So why has Mary chosen what's better? See, what Jesus is pointing to here is not about disrespecting preparation. It's not to say that, oh, you shouldn't do any of that, you should neglect all of it. What he is doing is he's raising a caution about neglecting receiving. Neglecting receiving. That the importance of receiving, the importance of being a recipient, of sitting. See, because there is a direct connection between our willingness to sit and receive and our relationship with God. So for a minute here, I want to go back to um, the three tables that we've been talking about in this series. And if you haven't been with, with us, then just bear with me. I'll kind of describe them quickly. So these three kinds of tables that Jesus is present and that we're called to also be present. A lot of times we think God is only present here, right? 
we come to church, this is God's house, this is where we worship him, we go home and life is like the rest of life. But that's not the case, because Jesus spent time in all three of these places, in all, all three of these realms, among recipients, the recipients table where we receive. That's the place like this, when we come together and worship and community, and there's a sense of closeness. Then there's that place that's our home tables. You believe it? That's a holy, holy place. When you have family, when you have friends over, that dinner table, whatever it looks like, is a holy place. And that's where Jesus shows up a lot of times, over people's houses. And then there's that other third place, the place where we show up as guests, places in the community, over other people's tables, uh, in, in restaurants. We talked about a story of uh, the author of the, the, this book that, um, that I've been taking this from, where he was walking past a bar with his friends, and they looked over and asked the question, you know, is, is communion happening there? Is the Eucharist breaking of bread happening there? And the friends said, hmm, that's interesting, I don't know. And the friend said, yes, it is, they just don't know it yet. See, that's the place where Jesus is present in all three. And that's the same thing for us. There's an importance, though, of engaging in all three. Because what happens if we separate one from the other, if we're more engaged, say, in, in the community and serving and hosting others, you know what happens? You know this, I know this. Exhaustion, frustration, emptiness. Our batteries become depleted because we're not receiving. See, receiving, when we receive from God, when we receive from others, it feeds over into the other tables of our lives. It's important that they're all connected. But the truth is, some of us have a real problem receiving. I don't know if that's you. I know it's me. That we have a problem with the receiving. Think for just a minute. Think broadly here. What was the last thing you received from someone? What's the last thing? I'll give you some ideas. Was it help? Was it love? Was it friendship? Was it mercy? Was it a gift? Was it a ride? Was it a referral? Was it a critique? Did you receive it? Did you say thank you instead of, oh, no, 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 you don't have to do that, or I'm good, it's okay. Did you receive it? Because receiving is something that makes us feel vulnerable. It makes us question, how can I reciprocate this? Can I, you know, am I going to stoop down? Um, instead of sitting, we like to put our hands out and say, you know, I'm just, I'm not in need. I'm good. I'm fine. But if we don't receive, there's a problem. There's a problem. And Martha shows us that there's a spiritual parallel here. It's a parallel spiritually, and there's also a spiritual danger. And she shows us first that there's a spiritual parallel because when we can't receive, there's often an equivalent here spiritually that we think that we need to clean up our lives before God will enter in. We think that we have to do enough good things, we have to help enough other people, we have to be the helpers first, that everything depends on us. And, and the scriptures are clear that, and you look around, right? We made a mess of our world. You know, Look through history, we've made a mess of our world. We've rebelled, we've chosen our own way, Time and time again, we've chosen to be, try to be gods in our own way. And so we do that collectively and we do that individually. No matter how hard we try, it's like, I can't, I can't get past this. I can't, I can't make myself good enough. All the self-help, it just, it just doesn't work. And I like to say this, we all have crap in our closet, right? Can I get an amen to that? We all have crap in our closet. 
the stuff that you want to push away when the people come over and you're like, yay, but even in our lives, we all have crap in our closet. And one misconception is we think that we somehow can clean up this mess on our own, but that's deception. See, Jesus, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to save us from ourselves. And, and there's this really great quote um, from this, this series I've watched called The Chosen. Um, you have to download like a little app. I think it's on YouTube. It's probably the best series on the life and ministry of Jesus. And it's interesting, in conversation with one of his disciples, this really stuck out to me. He says, do you think that I came here to say, hey, everyone, continue what you've been doing because for the last thousands of years, it's been going great, right? But we think that, we think that. No, it's, it's messed up. That's why even more so we need a savior. It doesn't mean fixing ourselves up first though. It's saying Jesus, he meets us where we are. And that's where the good news of the gospel is so sweet. That Jesus is in the business of entering into our mess and this mess. He's not turned off by crumbs and laundry and dirty dishes. The good news is that Jesus enters in to redeem us and remind us that we are not alone and we don't do this life alone. But then there's a spiritual danger. So that's kind of the parallel here, but there's a spiritual danger. And the danger that Martha shows us, it's the danger of being distracted. Being distracted. Luke, in verse 40, he describes Martha as distracted. Perispeo is the word that he uses. You know, our busy lives, you and I, we're busy people. We have so much going on. It makes it easy to lose sight of what's most important. What was interesting, this week when I was preparing for this message, I think I had like four conversations with people that asked me, hey, Chris, how's your week going? Are you having a good week? Whatever, how's, it, how's your week? And my response like automatically was what? Oh, it's busy. It's busy. And then I'm like, oh, no, I'm like preaching about this. Like, and then somebody else would ask me like, oh, Chris, how's your week been? And I'm like, oh, it's busy. Oh, you know, once again, like we do that, right? Life is busy. Life is busy. But get this, there was a form of torture in the Middle Ages when people would tie limbs, someone's limbs, the person they're torturing, to four horses and then let them loose. And the French called this distraction. Interesting. Literally pulled apart. Literally pulled apart. And the Greek word that Luke uses here, get this, also means that. It means literally to be pulled apart. Isn't that what it feels like to be distracted? Uh, one of my favorite things to do um, in order to relax is to go for a run, and I run in the morning, and sometimes I like to run on trails, and, and when I'm running on a trail, I, I get lost in it, even when I'm running around New Cumberland and around Harrisburg. Like, uh, there's times I will just get so in like a zone. You might drive by and honk, and I'll be like, you know, a stop, and I don't even, you, you're well past before I can even say hello. And some people, you know, that's just not your thing, and I get that, you know, if some you're, you say, if you're running, then you better run too, because something is chasing you, right? But, but sometimes I, when I'm running, I see people who are walking out together in nature, maybe on a trail, and they're talking, they're texting. You know, get this, we were in a staff meeting um, in the little room that faces the 16th Street here, and um, we were in a staff meeting, and we saw a group of women walk by, each of them was on their phones texting like this. Texting like this. Yeah. And we're like, what? It, I mean, it's obvious they want to walk together, but they, were they really walking together? You know, 
we see people all the time, are, aren't they missing out on something? Aren't we missing out on something? And, and honestly, you know, our phones, like we say this all the time, phones have not helped. There's that FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, but there's also this other term that's called nomophobia. Get this, it's the fear of losing your cell phone. People actually have it. Your fear, you're like, you know, people say like, oh, I, I left my phone at, uh, at home when I went to work or whatever. I feel naked, right? Oh my gosh, where is it? You kind of, you feel the buzzing in your pocket and it's not even there. But in verse 41, Jesus, Jesus calls Martha worried and upset about many things. And that's us. She didn't have a phone at the time, but she had a lot of stuff going on in her head. See, worried, the word he uses, is similar to distraction. It means to be torn in many pieces, upset. Get this, upset. The word in the Greek means to be tossed along like a boat with no anchor. So Jesus is diagnosing Martha as having an unsettled, unanchored soul. Have you felt that? If you just paused and just experience, you know, full present, fully present here. Do you feel unsettled and unanchored? And Martha, she tries to fill it by being needed. She tries to fill that, that sense of needing to keep moving and keep going. She needs to be needed. Maybe you know someone like that. Please don't turn and look at them. But maybe it's, maybe it's you. Yeah, we, we, you know, it's funny. But, but it's true, right? We need to be needed. A lot of times, like, I need to help somebody because I need, I, that, that's part of me, and I'm lost without it. I don't want to face that, that emptiness. Busyness keeps our relationships shallow. If you're the host of a party, this is a little tip for you. The best way to avoid actually talking to people or going deep with people is to stay busy. Have you ever done that before? You know, you've done all the, the preparations and gone from one place to another just to avoid people. But it's a spiritual danger that we can get so caught up in busyness that somehow we miss God. We miss him. We miss him. And a few chapters later in Luke's gospel, we hear the story of the prodigal son. Maybe you've heard before. A son who goes away, makes a mess of his life, and then returns to his father to be embraced. But in the story, there is another story going on, and that's the story of an older son. An older son who stays by his father's side, but yet remains at the doorway with his arms folded, refusing to participate in his, in his brother's party. And the older son in this story is just as lost as the younger. See, Martha, Martha's lost in busyness and distractions. Imagine, imagine if you had a conversation with Martha the next day after this happened, and you asked her, like, so Martha, tell me, how was your time with Jesus? What would she say? Well, she'd say probably, I don't remember much because I was in the kitchen and I was making things and I was super busy. But if you'd ask Mary, you go to her and ask her the same question, she probably would have said, oh my gosh, it was so great. Uh, let me tell you, I, she, Jesus said this and he pointed this out to me. And I never saw it that way. And she would just probably go on and on and on and talk your ear off. See, Jesus said that moment, that moment can never be taken away from her. How many times do we miss that because we're busy? And it doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves in churchy things. It doesn't mean that we're perpetually doing our quiet time and never distracted or never serving anybody else. It just means that there is a time for service and there is a time for receiving from Jesus. 
And we need to know what time it is and to be fully present at that moment. Mary chose wisely. Verse 39, she chose to sit and receive first, sat at the Lord's feet. It was an intentional moment. She had been captivated by Jesus. She didn't allow the pressures or religious duty or expectations or even fear of what she might look like, even as a woman sitting at Jesus's feet. She didn't let those things get in the way. And she's said to be sitting at Jesus's feet. And that means she's listening. Uh, in the Bible, getting down at someone's feet and sitting means to be under their authority. When was the last time you sat at Jesus's feet? Can you receive? Are you able to receive? But, but how, you might ask, well, how? How, how do we receive, right? right? Jesus isn't standing here among us. You know, what does that look like today when we can't physically sit at Jesus' feet? Well, let me tell you this. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen because you and I, our, our default will always be distraction, it's interesting, in the first century, did you know that the Romans in the pagan world, um, their, their default was to work seven days a week. That was what you did. It was expected of you. Why on earth would you take a Sabbath day or a day of rest and, and not work? And so the, the, the Jews took that seriously and said, no, we are not doing that because, because in order for us to be even fully effective at this life, we need to take a Sabbath day that God even rested himself. See, some of us, though, are Marthas. We see ourselves in Martha. I'm a Martha. You know, we see, see parts of Martha. Our default is to be busy until we have a nervous breakdown. We hate our life. We live vacation to vacation, and all of our relationships suffer, and we find ourselves distant from God. You have to be intentional. We have to practice receiving. And one way you can do that is to be super intentional about that. It doesn't just happen. And so I'm going to propose this to you all. Uh, Table Life Church, I'm going to participate this to, in this too. I'm calling it a, an October Table Challenge. It's about being intentional. And the good news is October, we're already in the third day here, so you get a couple days free. Um, and it's basically three things. Intentional, undistracted time in Jesus' presence and under his authority. And, and the first part, the first part there is being a part of this, is being intentional about worship once a week. And you can do that online, you can do that in person, but being intentional about it. Not just saying, oh, okay, well, things got in the way, and I didn't, I didn't but, but being intentional about it. That's why church is so important. And not just because you need us, but we need you. We need you just as much as you need us. But to be here and to receive. This is the one place that you can show up and you can be a part of, and you can receive. You can receive from God. And this, the second piece, the second piece is around your table, mealtime together. You know, it's said that statistically, most families, most people don't share a meal together. Well, this is, this is an excuse for mom, dad, uh, grandma, grandpa, um, whoever it is in your family, to call everybody together for a meal together once a week. And get this, I'm going to add this little stipulation. This is not on, the, on, not on the screen here. Without your screens. So you all have a little basket. You put everybody's phone in there, everybody's tablet, everybody, no books, you know, that type of thing. Turn off the TV. One time a week. We're, we're starting to, like, bar is low here. One time a week. Can you do that together? 
you know, if you live alone or you don't have a family situation with others to eat with, then join someone else. Maybe you extend your table and invite someone else into it and say, once a week, can I do this for four weeks? Once a week, that's four times together, undistracted, and claim that as a holy place. And then the last part is to be intentional personally, to say, I'm going to spend Five minutes, like I said, we're putting this very accessible here. Five minutes. If you want to spend 25, if you want to spend three hours, that's great too. But five minutes I'm going to spend praying. Maybe I'll read scripture. I'll open up the Bible. I'll take the sermon notes from this week and just, uh, and just read over them for five minutes. Maybe it's even picking a song. We post a playlist every single week on Facebook and Instagram of the songs that we've played and sang together. Maybe it's listening to one of those songs in your car by yourself or in the bathroom if you need to get away from the little ones. But being intentional. And imagine doing those three things just for this month. See what you've received from God. You know, if you're like, I haven't heard anything from God, I don't even know if God cares about me or God exists, what would happen? You know, how might this change your relationship? I mean, I know, how would your relationship, think about this, how would your relationship with your spouse, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, or a best friend, how would that be if you never talked to one another? If you never spent time with one another? How would it be? It'd be terrible, right? They'd be like, what's wrong with you? You wouldn't even know them. Well, it's the same thing with God. It's about being intentional, corporately, together. We need you, you, you need us. Personally, and in your family, or, or in uh, the, the family of God that people have brought together. See, there is a direct relationship between our willingness to receive and our relationship with God. So the point here is, guys, start with receiving. Will you receive? Start with receiving. When you're imp- uh, inclined to be busy and to serve and to do, 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 and you're feeling exhausted or frustrated, maybe if that's exactly the indicator, the little check engine light going off to say, you need to receive, Chris. You need to take a moment to, to receive, Jen. You need to take a moment to receive, Al. You know, you need to take a moment to receive. Because Martha was trapped in making things perfect, taking care of everybody, avoiding everybody but she missed the beauty right in front of her. And pastor and author Tim Keller says this, religious people find God useful, but true believers find God beautiful. If all of life and Christ's presence together with us is a gift, then we need to receive that.